Well, good morning, everybody, and uh, welcome to the foundation. Let me give you uh, one more announcement. Uh, this is probably more of a guy's thing, but uh, the Andersons would like to donate this to a good home. It's a Bible cover. It's uh, brand new. So if it's, I say it's more of a guy, but it, it could be for lay. If anybody needs a Bible cover, uh, let them know. And uh, it can be yours for our favorite price of free. <laughs> let, let me give you a couple of words of encouragement here too. Here I'll come. I'll come around here. D- does anybody else ever get just a uh, a text from somebody you don't know? Okay, and usually they're. It's usually a scam. Or, but I got a text here from somebody I didn't know. It says, thank you for your faithful witness. That's all it said. And so I, I said, I said I don't have your number programmed in my phone. I said, who is this? And he says, and this is probably for you, Jim. My name is Stephen. I saw a track from your church on a gas pump station. I leave those everywhere. Yeah. That's cool. And I just wanted to encourage you all to stay faithful. Hey, that's awesome. Hey, that's great. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I leave them at every pump I ever get. So I, I told him, I said, I'm going to share that with my class this morning. I don't know if it was a life issues track, but it had my number it's on it, evidently. Uh, uh, Plan of Salvation, they're pink and gray. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, but my name's my uh, yeah, my I, phone I, number's I, I on. She's meeting time. And all oh, that's that funny. So yeah, I'll leave it back. Kudos. These yeah. here. Bat. Yeah. 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 That's what he's talking about. Yeah, I buy huh. a couple thousand. He's got our information on the back. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good to know. I've been passing out yeah. since 2014 huh. at the tent. Yeah. <laughs> hey Jim, I could use a couple of those because sometimes people come in there, Casey's, and are in oh, yeah. pretty bad shape. So here's uh, like the other in- word of encouragement. Uh, most of you know Pastor Mike Blake in Monmouth, Illinois. I, I just asked him yesterday how the jail ministry they they started doing jail ministry probably four months ago now and him and i had a good long conversation on the phone i kind of told him uh, what we did and so he said it's going well we're giving away bibles they've had three salvations in four months and they're building good relationships so uh, anyway uh, I think I think uh, we've given them a case or two of Bibles and then they've I think they bought another couple cases from Randy and so anyway the, the, the jail ministry in Monmouth Illinois is going well and so uh, anyway I want to give you those two things of encouragement that uh, people are reading our tracks and it's we're getting the word out we're uh, giving Bibles out we're uh, I was able to talk with one of the sergeants in our jail yesterday on the phone and it's a, a lady that's we, we've got to get a signature from them uh, to help publish Pat's book and uh, so she's going to help assist with that so things are kind of rolling there and, and so we're, we're rejoicing with that and uh, b- before we go to Jeremiah be, be turning to uh, 1 Corinthians there's a place there I wanted to 
mentions about that, <clears throat> about uh, it's in First Corinthians chapter fourteen. And does everybody have a handout, Rosie? Did you grab one on there? There's one there on your table in that folder. Yeah. But uh, anyway, this is. Uh, it's a very confusing time in Israel that we're reading in Jeremiah. And uh, th- thank you, girls, for being online and being faithful. Jim said it's our faithful ladies. And, you know, it's one thing for people to turn in and, and listen to us every once in a while, but, but these ladies tune in every week. And so it makes me think that they're getting uh, fed the Word of God. And so. That that encourages me, and so thank you for uh, being there. And parts are flying. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but th- think, try to think with me in, in Israel's day with Jeremiah. Jeremiah is telling him, "We're going to captivity. We've been so disobedient." Uh, second Second Chronicles thirty six says that there was no remedy. And uh, that 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 is the point that God throws in the proverbial towel, because there's an end to His mercy, isn't there? I mean, there, there's a time when He has to execute judgment, and that time is now for the nation of Israel. I mean, not now, 2021, but now in the book of Jeremiah. And so it's the people of the land are like, well, wait a minute, we're God's people, you know, He can't punish us, and He's a good God, He's a loving God, we should have peace. And Jeremiah, you know, so they're in this conflict of, of false peace and and going into captivity and being punished, and and I feel like it's similar in our own country in America now, because. Um, <clears throat> On one hand, I listen to news and, you know, you hear the patriots and people who've served in our military that, you know, this is the greatest country and and uh, we, we can all amen that. And uh, but Angie and I watched a movie about uh, sex trafficking last night. And at the end, it gives some statistics. I mean, it, it was disturbing. I don't. I think I. I kind of dreamed about it, and and she. We just woke up kind of unsettled. But at the end of it, it shows statistics of nationwide, and you know, our country's leading in some of those things. And I read pornography statistics, and our country's leading exporter in pornography. And so when we say we're the greatest country, it's like, uh, are we? Yeah. Uh, maybe there's some ways that we shouldn't be number one, and maybe God. Uh, is punishing us so it's a confusing time I guess that's my point and that's where the nation of Israel was at because they're hearing God's prophet Jeremiah you know he's this weeping prophet and he's like people I'm sorry to tell you but we have to amend our ways we have to repent we have to turn back to God or judgment is coming and and so that that's uh, kind of what I'm saying here this morning too but when we think about prophecy we don't usually think about first uh, Corinthians 14 and somebody read verse 3 for us uh, Emma would you read that first Corinthians 14 3 unto men their hesitation and exhortation and comfort. Yes. 
And so when we think of prophecy, we think of it being a, a prediction of the future. We're, we're predicting future, we're prophesying. But here it's saying that he that prophesies, it's you're speaking to people, you're edifying, you're building them up, you're exhorting them. And uh, whenever I, I, I had to look up the word exhortation this morning, and uh, it meant to uh, incite goodness in others. So it's like prompting you to do better. I'm, I'm exhorting you, Rosie. You know, if you can go to Mama or yeah, Mammoth on your mission trip, do that. Yeah. I exhort you to do that if you can. And so it's incite. You know, we think of inciting violence, like a but exhortation is incite inciting you to do good and and prompting that in others. So there's kind of two sides of uh, the, the way I think of prophecy. A prophet sometimes foretells the future but he always foretells truth. He he foretells truth. So they foretell and foretell is kind of the way I think of prophecy is both. And so that's what I had you put in your blank there is prophecy is not necessarily predictive. The word predictive is what I have you put in your blank. So you're not necessarily predicting something. But sometimes uh, you are. And uh, under letter B there, uh, generally speaking, prophecy does predict the judgments or blessings of God according to the obedience or disobedience of the audience. And so now now be turning to Jeremiah 26. And I'm kind of excited about uh, this chapter, uh, partly because... How many chapters are in the book of Jeremiah? Fifty-two. Fifty-two. So that means we're we're halfway through. So we're we are at the halfway point of the book of Jeremiah. If I can find the book of Jeremiah. So we are in chapter twenty-six, and today we're halfway. At the end of today, we'll be halfway through. And uh, somebody read verses one and two for us now, if they would. In the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, came to the court of the Lord, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Stand in the court of the Lord's house, and speak unto the king of Judah. Come to worship in the Lord's house. All the words that I command you to speak unto them. Diminish not a word. Okay. And I like that the little phrase at the end of verse two there. Diminish not a word. And so God is warning His prophet. I need you to go into the the temple of the Lord, the Lord's house, and tell the people what I command you, and, and don't leave out anything. And uh, that that's a a huge thing there. I was going to list this, but what are the three ways? that we can change God's word. All right, that's that's it. So let me look at this. Uh, Maybe I am going to use the board today, Jim. (laughs) So leave stuff out. So you can subtract. And you can add. 
And what's this third one you think, huh? Distort. Distort. Yeah. Uh, there's actually a word. Does anybody know the Bible word for change or distort? Or Hey, Pat got it. What is it? What is it? It's, oh, rep. I think it's that. It, it's like you twist the scripture, you, you change it. Uh, it actually says that in, in Peter that uh, they rest the scripture, they, they change it for their own. Because haven't you ever heard you can make the Bible say anything you want it to? <clears throat> so, uh, so, right here is the, the commandment in Jeremiah is don't subtract, don't diminish, don't take away one word from what I'm telling you. And I gave you a couple, I, I left out the key one. Uh, if you want to write it on your notes, I'll give it to you. And I'll just read it to you real quick. But it's in Revelation, uh, the very last chapter of the whole Bible. It says, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add to these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man take away the words of this book, of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. So if you add to God's word... He's going to add some plagues to you, and if you take away from this, he'll take away uh, your part. It means your inheritance. You you don't lose your salvation, but you take away your part. You lose inheritance for taking away from God's word. And and uh, Peter mentions that you shouldn't twist or rest uh, God's word. So anyway, those are things I, I meant to put in your handout, and I did not do that. But then, uh, now back to Jeremiah. Let's see. I gave you some other verses there. Let's look up the Deuteronomy 12 one. Because as you're talking to people sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes this might come up with other uh, maybe cults. But look at Deuteronomy 12.32. Because... uh, uh, look at me just for a minute. <clears throat> Some people, whenever they read Revelation 22 and it says don't add or take away from God's... Because uh, I'll just say it. The Mormons say that the Book of Mormons is another testament. It's a, it is God's Word as well as the Bible. And, and we would say, well, you're adding to God's Word, and here it says you shouldn't. And, and what they would say to that is, well, that's only a reference to Revelation. You shouldn't add to the book of Revelation or take away from it. And so that's why it's important to have um, places like Deuteronomy 12 and other places uh, in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. So it gets pretty dicey, you know, what they say you can add to or take away from. So who's got the Deuteronomy 12:32 they can read for us? What things Sorry. Go ahead, Matt. What things soever I command you, observe to do it. Thou shalt not add thereunto nor diminish from it. So that almost says the exact thing that as Revelation or as Jeremiah. And uh, the other reference in Proverbs, it says every word of God is true. And so uh, we can't 
just pick and choose what we want to add or take away from. So anyway, ho hopefully that's plain. You may run into it at some time. I have a time or two. And so it's uh, helpful to have some cross-references in your Bible to uh, prompt you to, to, to show and reveal the, uh, the error of, of doing, of, of adding or taking away or, or twisting. So anyway, uh, now back to Jeremiah 26. <clears throat> it mentions something kind of wild here. Verses 5 and 6. Of Jeremiah 26, he says, To hearken to the words of my servants, the prophets, whom I have sent unto you, both rising up early and sending them, but ye have not hearkened. Then will I make this house like Shiloh, and will make this city a curse to all nations of the earth. And that, that little statement there in verse 6 is really what set the Jews off. And so, uh, let's, I think I've got, well, this may be on down here. Does verse 9 say something about Shiloh as well? Yes. Yes. So, uh, I think I'll just go ahead and have us look up this 1 Samuel. It's in your next bullet point, but 1 Samuel 4 because it really ignited the Jews. So Jeremiah is telling them, I'm going to make Jerusalem and the temple like Shiloh. So we need to see what happened at Shiloh. First uh, Samuel 4.11. Let me get there. Some of you guys got your phones and you're getting there faster than I am. <laughs> it's a true story. So, okay, First Samuel. There's a reference to something happens here at Shiloh. The Philistines are at war with them. And First uh, Samuel 4.11 says this, And the ark of God was taken, and the two sons of Eli... Hophni and Phineas were slain. Jump down to verse 17. And the messenger answered and said, Israel is fled before the Philistines, and there hath been also a great slaughter among the people, and thy two sons also, Hophni and Phineas, are dead, and the ark of God is taken. And then go down to the last verse, I think it is 22. And she said, the glory is departed from Israel, for the ark of God is taken. So, so what happened at Shiloh, uh, if, if we'd read the context there, they were at Shiloh and this war is going on with the Philistines. And the Philistines take the ark. And so, so for Jeremiah... To say Jerusalem's going to be like Shiloh, you mean the Ark of God's going to be taken? The temple's going to be because the uh, the tabernacle was at Shiloh, so they raided the tabernacle, which was before the physical the building the temple. So they took the t they took the Ark. They killed a lot of the people. And so that's what Jeremiah is saying. He's saying Jerusalem and the temple is going to be like what happened in Shiloh. 
God's enemies are going to come. They're going to take the ark. They're going to kill a lot of people. And so this this really uh, perked everybody up. <clears throat> and uh, I had a, as your teaching point under the first bullet point was uh, God is He speaks from His temple to our temple. Uh, the New Testament says that our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And uh, when I was being discipled and, and hearing you know a lot of truth from the Word of God. I remember they said a big difference of the Old Testament and the New Testament is in the Old Testament, everybody came to Jerusalem to the temple to, you know, visit God's presence. But in the New Testament, we are the temple of God and we're to take the temple to the world. So the Old Testament, the the world come to the temple, the New Testament, the temple goes to the world. I just thought, wow, that that's a, you know, I can remember, remember that. And so God is speaking from His temple to our temple. And then uh, under Roman numeral 2, the destruction of the temple will be similar to the tabernacle at Shiloh. And so the word tabernacle goes in your third blank. And uh, my teaching point there on that second Roman numeral... The thing, the thing that that lady said is that the glory. Uh, does anybody know that that was the definition of the word Ichabod? They were to write Ichabod, and it means uh, the glory of the Lord is departed. Uh, you know, they're just going to put a stamp on it, Ichabod. And so I put on there: if we lose God's glory, we lose our purpose. And I don't know if, if you've ever, <clears throat> when we, uh, before we came here in 2005, we, we've been here 16 years now at this church, but our previous church, we were, you know, I was a deacon there, we were pretty involved in ministry, and and uh, some things happened, and Angie and I knew it was, and it was really cool for us uh, not not the the cool thing was that we were very much in agreement like we shouldn't be here anymore and uh, we had a sit down with the past the pastor and the associate pastor and you know to kind of air our grievances and it was, we, I called it our exit interview but uh, you know they prayed with us and we, we left under good terms and so I encourage you if you ever do leave this church or wherever you were to you know communicate with the pastor and uh, but anyway one thing he said was he said Steve he said you know I know you can't continue if your heart's not in it and I, I think th- I think that's what's happening with Israel they're they're losing their purpose like this is the temple this is this is the presence of God if his glory leaves it, it kind of we kind of lose our purpose <laughs> that's okay because <laughs> if if you were to ask the average person what is your purpose for being here on earth most of us would say it would be to bring glory to God and so and that that's a in fact let's all turn to first peter i'm going to mark my place here 
this is where I go. If, if someone was to ask me, you know, what is my reason for being on planet Earth, I would take them to First Peter. <clears throat> it's chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. And uh, Angie, you were going to read earlier. Would you, would you read that? First Peter 2, verses 9 and 10. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation of peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So it, it kind of communicates who we are. We're... we're we're this royal priesthood, we're a holy nation, we're a peculiar people, that we that ye should show forth the praises of him. So we are to show forth the praises, we are to bring glory to God. And so th- this is where I would take so and so whenever I read that in Samuel that the glory of the Lord is departed, you can imagine just uh that is t- that was our purpose for being here. The glory of God's left, so now what? And so, uh, anyway, uh, any any thoughts or comments about that? I'm so, so like in the Old Testament, the glory of God would depart. The Holy Spirit did not always stay. Right. And that would be yeah, on an individual, on a national level. Oh. Yeah, you're right on individual people. Yeah, it could depart. And that would be like when you read the Psalms, you know. You see where they, he feels like he's forsaken, that mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit has left. Or, mm-hmm. That's probably, I'm sorry. Man. That's oh, good. Yeah. No, you're thinking, that's good. And it's similar even in the New Testament. When we when we mess up, and uh, God doesn't leave us, but our, our kind of testimony. Yeah, we lose fellowship, and so hopefully that creates kind of a craving, and it's like, ah. Oh. And I know when I sin or I I mess up, it's like, dang, you know, the devil got me again, and now I'm out of fellowship, and and uh, you know I shouldn't even be in ministry, and you know you think those things, and um, but anyway, uh, anybody else. Matt, did you see her in the bulletin today? That's cool. I think that's one uh, when I uh, finally started, like really wanting to understand the voice of God. I it was good for me to realize that um, it was different in the Old Testament with hmm. the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit's now in us. Mm-hmm. It was different. You know, God. Um, was with his people in a different way there. Mm-hmm. So if people don't understand that, they, it, it, it's not going to make sense to them yeah. to read um, these things in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to rightly divide, and there's uh, the, the types and the pictures are there, but yeah, they in the New Testament. Uh, John says that he will be with you and in you. And uh, so Christ is dwelling us in us through the Holy Spirit. And he, he doesn't depart. We, we may leave him, but he doesn't leave us. And so those are uh, great thoughts. Well, uh, 
so you got your four blanks, predictive, temple, tabernacle, and purpose. And then uh, Roman numeral 3 is verses 10 and 11. If we want to go back to Jeremiah 26, we're going to read verses 10 and 11. Uh, Jim, if you've got those. When the princes of Judah, when the princes of Judah heard these things, then they came up from the king's house unto the house of the Lord, and they sat down in the entry of the new gate of the Lord's house. Then spake the priests and the prophets unto the princes and to all the people, saying, This man is worthy to die, for he hath prophesied against this city, as ye have heard with your ears. Yeah. Now I had. Uh... I had a cross-reference here. I know I'm having you turn turn a lot of places, so so stay in stay in Jeremiah 26. But go go to Acts with me, because I actually don't know how true this is. I tried to look it up. Uh, maybe you can tell me better. But it's saying that Jeremiah is worthy of death because he prophesied against the city and, and against the tabernacle against God's people but look in Acts 6 is where we'll look at uh, 11 through 14 so Acts 6 and I'll, I'll read that 11 through 14 I think this is the deacon Stephen here um, so verse 11 through 14 uh, then they subordinated men which said we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God and they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council and set up false witnesses which said this man ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law for we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall bring the customs and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us so they they were getting ready to uh, kill Stephen here and they, they said he has made these blasphemous words and he's spoken against this holy place like Jeremiah was kind of doing and against the law and then he, they brought up Jesus. Even uh, their leader, Stephen's leader, Jesus, was going to destroy this place and change the custom. So anyway, it, it seems a little bit like that. But I don't know, according to the law, if it was if it was worthy of death to kill for uh, speaking against, uh, I guess... You know the Ten Commandments uh, have no other God before me, and those things. Uh, I don't know if that would. I don't think it was worthy of death. Yeah. So, so maybe what they were saying in Jeremiah 26 was the Jews' laws, probably, but not God. Maybe their tradition or customs. Yeah. Well, they twisted it that he wasn't denouncing uh, God. It wasn't what he was proclaiming was not against God. That's true. It was against the people. They were trusting the temple, and huh. uh, they weren't putting their trust in God. So they twisted that. Maybe that's what the council twisted. That was a little confusing to me. So that, yeah. 
So, so Jeremiah is saying these things and prophesying and amend your ways, your judgment's coming. And so in verses 10 and 11 back in Jeremiah, the Jim read, the princes of Judah, so the leadership come down to hear that. Uh, so then the priests and the... The pre, in verse 11, then spake the priests and the prophets unto the princes, the leadership, and, and to all the people, saying, this man is worthy to die. So they're wanting to kill him and, and make a martyr out of him. And uh, uh, so this is like the second or third time already, and I give you another reference in Jeremiah 38. So several times throughout this book, I mean that would be a tough crowd to preach to. I don't. I mean I think if you threaten to kill me one day in this class, I'm just thinking. Why are you looking at me? Look at Angie. So I mean that'd be tough to come back week after week if I knew some or most or one or more of you were wanted really wanted me to die. But that's what Jeremiah. So God said, "Don't diminish your word." I mean that would be tough, wouldn't it? Yeah. Don't diminish your word. But by the way, they they were going to want to kill you for it. So. <laughs> but he, but he, yeah, it's very sobering, isn't it? So these are courageous men of faith, and uh, so he, uh, he, he's in good good company there, though, isn't he? Um, people, I mean, our Lord Jesus Christ knew that he would be betrayed and crucified, and and yet he spoke and lived and taught anyway. Uh, so now 12 through 15 I think this is a pretty cool uh, passage if, would somebody read 12 to 15 of Jeremiah 26 Pat you got it sure. then spake Jeremiah unto all the princes and to all the people saying the Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and against this city all the words that he had heard Therefore now amend your your ways and your doings, and obey the voice of the Lord your God. And the Lord will repent him of the evil that he hath pronounced against you. As for me, behold, I am in your hand. Do with me as you as seemeth good in me unto you. Yeah, one more. One more? Yeah. But know ye for certain that if you put me to death, you shall surely bring innocent blood upon yourselves and upon the city and upon the inhabitants thereof. For of a truth, the Lord has sent me unto you to speak all these words in your ears. So it... It's almost like Jeremiah doubles down. He, he's like, yeah, that is what I'm saying. You do need to amend your way. And verse thir- uh, 13 is kind of how to... Uh, it, it mentions twice in this chapter that God will repent. And so God doesn't uh, change his mind as you and I are maybe fickle. But he's saying... If God's people do amend their ways and they do start serving Him, then He won't bring upon the judgment that He had planned to do. So it's a good uh, formula there how to get God to repent is for us to repent. And 
And so, I don't know, it's, just, it's cool that Jeremiah didn't back down. He's like, I'm communicating to you all the word. That's what it says there. Um... He mentions uh, all the words. So God, he he did speak all the words that God told him, and uh, and he reminds him at the end: if you do kill me, you'll you'll be shedding innocent blood because I'm just doing what God told me. Now, uh, when we think when we think about being a martyr, and uh, I don't know if I. Uh, I probably got time to read a few of these. Brian Hedges uh, sent the pastor's uh, email yesterday, and it was from a group. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Timothy Initiative, and he's not uh, he's not promoting that we should support the Timothy Initiative, but. He gets updates evidently from them. And so there's like eight or ten different paragraphs that the Timothy Project is getting from some of their pastors. And uh, I'll just read a couple of them. So this, they don't tell what town or they don't give name but they this just says two people in a nearby village have accepted the Lord now their community is protesting they have called a a village council meeting to charge these new believers for breaking anti-conversion mandates and it just says that was in Asia and this is from East Africa it says pray for the safety of one of our church planters who was recently kidnapped for ransom. His family is still raising funds for his release. Pray for God's providence and his safe release. Uh, Friends, please uphold the church planter in your your valuable prayers. Radicals are after him and they filed an anti-conversion complaint against him. Monday, he is meeting with the police, requesting God's favor and protection for him and his church members. So that's like tomorrow. Tomorrow's Monday. And tomorrow, this church planter is having to stand before the police and be faced with charges of anti-conversion. And what that means is uh, you're not to convert anybody from Hinduism to Christianity. You're not to convert from Islam, from... uh, and so, uh, anyway, these these are happening today, and uh, there's six or eight more there. And uh, Brian's just like, you know, let's pray for these folks. Uh, so maybe maybe at the end we'll 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 pray we'll, we'll pray for these uh, pastors, these new converts, and uh, you know, when I was in India, it was. Uh, Occasionally, they have uh, baptisms there. I mean, they they preach the gospel, and one of the days we were there, they were planning to baptize, and so we got up and left the church at six in the morning. We we they wanted us to, so we left at night under the cover of night, and uh, we walked about a we parked somewhere. We walked about a half a mile through this field, and. Um, 
there's a little bend in the river where the, the water's deeper and he's like this is our baptism place and they just did it so covertly you know on a day that nobody would be there fishing or doing their laundry or and uh, as we were walking, it was really cool. He, he said, uh, Steve, I'd like for you to baptize today. And so I got to baptize six or eight of the uh, Hindus that have converted to Christianity. And, and that was a real concern for them. Uh, and I hadn't taken any change of clothes, so I went back all the way sopping wet. So it was just really a cool experience to do that to people who are knowingly converting with threat of their life. And so, uh, anyway, kind of the point to us that that Pat read, it says uh, at the bottom of your handout on your front page, it says, you know, uh, when accused of speaking uh, against the city and holy place, Jeremiah doubles down. And if people hear God's word and mend their ways and obey, God will repent too. And Jeremiah is ready to be martyred and receive the crown of life. And uh, on your on your back of your page, I give you a teaching point there that uh, we need to be like Paul and die daily. So probably, I I mean I can't, I can't foresee that any of us will be put to death literally for our faith. It. It could be coming, but probably not. But we all need to die to ourselves daily, don't we? And that is the point. And um, we, we talked in our men's group on Friday night that uh, I always remember the address because there was a guy in jail wrote this to me in one of his letters. He he gave me uh, Luke nine thirty. I think it's thirty six where it says uh, uh, we have to pick up our cross and, uh, well, I'm going to butcher it here. Deny ourselves. Deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow Him. Yeah, Matthew, Mark, Luke. uh, There's a couple places in the New Testament I want us to look at, but yeah, that should be Luke 9, 35 or 6. Did I miss it? I missed it. I said I'd never. You think about it for a second, you'll get it. 9.23. Huh. 9.23 And he said to them, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And we, we spoke in our small group that that's kind of what denying ourself means is to die daily. Because that was kind of the question is, how do we pick up our cross? Well, that that's one practical way is we do it when we deny ourselves. If, if we're tempted to do something and we turn to the Lord instead of feeding the flesh, uh, that's, that's, that's picking up our cross. And uh, so anyway... Uh, uh, s- several of us have went through discipleship 
And the last lesson, I, I took these your this other teaching point from our discipleship lessons. Uh, we we teach uh, in lesson 16 is called the judgment seat of Christ, and when we talk about inheritance, eternal rewards in heaven, I mean that that reward motivates all of us. It says that there's five possible crowns that we can uh, gain, and uh, you know when when the Lord comes again. It says on his head are many crowns. And uh, when I read that, I thought, wow, wouldn't that be cool if one of his crowns was for me, that I, that I, I earned this crown and I want you to have it, Lord. That type of thing. I, I just, that was uh, kind of special to me when that came to me. It's like we have opportunity to win these crowns by serving him. And when he, uh, you know, we know the 24 elders, they cast down their crowns at his feet. And uh, we, we, we can have that opportunity too. And so, uh, anyway, it, this crown of life is called the martyr's crown. Let, let's all look at Revelation 2. We got a few minutes here. Revelation 2. And this communicates who gets the martyr's or the crown of life. It's been nicknamed because these people here. I think it's in Smyrna. Smyrna. Revelation two ten. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried. And ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. So these folks are given a crown of life if they endure uh, jail and temp, uh, uh, being faithful unto death. And so the uh, look at the other place, the James one twelve. Just a couple books to the left, Hebrews, James, one twelve. So twice in our Bibles, the the phrase "crown of life" appears, and here's the other one, James one twelve. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love Him. Now that one doesn't say that you die. No, but this one endures temptation. So, in essence, you die to yourself. Okay, so that's the martyr's crown? Yeah. That is the martyr's... Yeah. So, we're, we can... So, that's how we can... We may not physically die for the, for the Lord, but we can die daily. And So, anyway... Well, what is the power of bringing souls to the Lord? I think it's the crown of is it the crown of rejoicing? I think that's the technical term. Yeah. Yeah. So people who win people to the Lord because Paul communicates to the Corinthians, he's, he says, You are my rejoicing and he wants so they're they're his crown of rejoicing. Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. So yeah, I, I'm trying to think what the other crowns are now. So there's crown of rejoicing, crown of life. Uh, there's a Vicious. incorruptible crown. 
pastures ground, yeah. fishes ground. Yeah, there's a shepherd. Yeah. What's the last one? Now, now I gotta know it. I'm that <laughs> there is a, there is a crown of righteousness. Is that it? The crown of righteousness? I have it on the board. Yeah, I've got it right down. Yeah, it is. Well, you read those things, and but as Bible believers, we we, we try to take things literal and, until. It's uh, evident that it's, you know, not literal. No, yeah, that's fine. Incorruptible, crown of life, crown of glory, crown of righteousness, crown of rejoicing. Yeah. Um, Say all those one more time nice and loud. <laughs> the, the corruptible crown, or incorruptible. 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 The victor's crown is what it's called. Okay, so the incorruptible crown, the crown of life, the crown of glory, the crown of righteousness... For the crown of rejoicing. Do you have a definition of all those? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Read the definition. All right. The incorruptible crown is the victor's crown. Okay. First Corinthians nine twenty-five. The second is the martyr's crown. The crown of life is the martyr's crown. Revelation two ten. The third one is the crown of glory, which is also the pastor's or the elder's crown. First Peter five two. Fourth one is crown of righteousness. It's for those who are looking for his appearing, love his appearing. Second Timothy four eight. And then the crown of rejoicing is the soul winner's crown. First Thessalonians two. First Thessalonians two nineteen. Hmm. That's good. Well these are good things to think about. And Pam, I know you're in discipleship, but what lesson are you on right now? Eight or nine. Okay, so you're halfway there. This is lesson sixteen. So you're. Uh, but anyway, that's a good good plug uh, for discipleship. It, I mean, you can tell there. It's the lessons are somewhat meaty uh, to to explain things like these crowns. So that's pretty cool. Um, so now there's a, uh, this ne- this last section of Jeremiah 26. We'll go back there. We got about 12 minutes. I may cut out a little early. Me and Matt got to go change clothes. Oh come on! So, so we can. <laughs> yeah, just like in India. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I wanted to uh, in verses. 17 and 18 the elders bring balance to the leadership so in verse 17 it says then rose up certain of the elders of the land and spake to all the assembly of the people saying Micah the Morsethite prophesied in the days of Hezekiah king of Judah and spake to all the people of Judah saying thus saith the Lord of hosts Zion shall be plowed like a field and Jerusalem shall become heaps and the mountain of the house as the high places of a forest and so what's happening here uh, so now you've, you've You've heard the people, they're, they're like, this guy's worthy to die. The, and the, the princes are hearing it and the leadership. And, you know, it's kind of an angry mob type going. Well, the elders come in and they, they, they add some balance. They're like, wait a minute, guys. Uh, and, and this is what's cool. This is what should happen to all of us is 
they basically said, well, the word of God, Micah the prophet, he says the same thing that Jeremiah is saying. Micah said that Jerusalem was going to be plowed like a field. So basically they're giving them, that's how they pacified this angry mob, is just giving them the Bible. And I put the verse in your handout if you want to look at it. It says uh, under letter B, therefore, the little bullet point, therefore shall Zion for your sake be plowed as a field and Jerusalem shall become heaps and the mountain of the house as the high places of the forest. So that's in Micah 3.12, almost exact same wording. uh, As these elders speak uh, verbatim and uh, look back at Jeremiah again. Verse 19, uh, and these elders are saying, did, Jer- did Hezekiah, the king of Judah, and all Judah put him at all to death? Well, the answer is no. It's rhetorical. They didn't kill Micah for telling Hezekiah, so why are we trying to kill Jeremiah? Did he not fear the Lord and besought the Lord, and the Lord repented him of the evil which he had pro- pronounced against them? Thus might we procure great evil against our souls. And uh, so in letter C in your hand, I put the elders submit the idea that they should rather fear the Lord. So the word fear goes in your blank. And, uh, you know, we usually say negative things about fear and God hasn't given us the spirit of fear. But there is a a healthy fear. We should fear the Lord and it will help us uh, avoid the evil. uh, There would be some heavy consequences to killing Jeremiah the prophet of God and I gave you the, the one of the verses about Hezekiah his example it says notwithstanding I got the verse on your handout notwithstanding Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem so the wrath of the Lord came not upon them in the days of Hezekiah and so they avoided uh, God's wrath by humbling their heart fearing the Lord and uh, God's wrath uh, didn't come in his days and then there was uh, this contemporary example in verses uh, 20 to 23 this is the only time that this guy's mentioned in in the Bible Urijah uh, there, there's a couple of other guys with the same name but this is the only time this and uh, it says in verse 20 of Jeremiah 26 and there was also a man that prophesied in the name of the Lord Urijah the son of Shemaiah of Kerjath-Jerim who prophesied against this city and against this land according to all the words of Jeremiah and when Jehoiakim the king with all his mighty men and all the princes heard his words the king sought to put him to death but when Urijah heard it he was afraid and fled and went into Egypt and Jehoiakim the king sent and two sent men into Egypt namely Eliathan the son of Akbar and certain men with him into Egypt and they fetched forth Urijah out of Egypt and brought him into Jehoiakim the king who slew him with the sword and cast his dead body into the graves of the common people and uh, so so what what they saying there is uh, Jehoiakim already killed Urijah uh, 
and Uriah was saying the same thing that Jeremiah was, and so so what I was kind of gleaning from there, and I put it had you put in your blank is uh, God confirms His message with two or three witnesses, and that that's kind of a common thing that we use. Uh, Jeremiah speaking the same thing that Micah spoke and by the way all of you guys heard Uriah say the same thing and Jehoiakim went and killed him and things didn't go well for Jehoiakim so we shouldn't kill Jeremiah either and then uh, who would read this last verse of 26 for us yeah nevertheless the hand of the Ahiakam and the son of Shaphan was with Jeremiah, but they should not give him into the hand of the people and put him to death. Yeah, so I, I like this, and I read a little bit about this guy. Um, this guy, uh, I should put my reference on here in Second Kings. He served as a, a leader with Josiah, so this is an older gentleman. And so it's like after the elder spoke, this uh, Ahikam, he comes in and he, he says, you know, I'm going to take Jeremiah with me now. We're not going to kill him. And I, I just thought it was really cool. Uh, you know, you know, at first Jeremiah is kind of standing there alone, you know. And then these elders kind of come in and say, wait a minute. He's saying the same thing Micah said, and Uriah said it too. And then uh, this Ahoy Kim takes him and, like, okay, we're not going to kill you today, brother. Mm-hmm. And uh, So he shows up serving Josiah? Yeah, he was under Josiah. So, a good king. Yeah, he was under a good king, and he served under Josiah, this Ahikam. And so he helps deliver. Jeremiah. So anyway, even when we think we're alone, we're we're not alone. And if we got God's word, and so the, my my teaching point here was just help comes right on time, and from the least expected places. And I, I've experienced that. It's usually I, I usually think things are going to go this way or this way, and then God kind of has no. Here's the, here's the way. It's, it's a third way. It's a different way than I even thought of. And uh, his his way, and it was at the perfect time, wasn't it? Because this mob is ready to kill him, and then you got this guy, older guy, speaks up, and what about this? And and then Ahoykim says, "You're good, Jeremiah," and uh, saves his life. So I love that word, nevertheless, in the scripture. It's, it's powerful. Huh. I always see men doing this and doing their own will and doing their own way, and then uh, huh. God has the last word. Huh. It says nevertheless. Okay. I looked that up this morning. You know, really, eighty-seven times in the Bible. Wow! And it's so cool because it shows how God always huh. has the last word and His will that's worked out being mixed all of That was good, Pat. It's like. Nevertheless, <laughs> ahoy, Kim. Or, uh, yeah, you do have the Second uh, Kings twenty two twelve. Did I? The Second Kings twenty two twelve. Yeah, that's cool. It does. It shows you. It, that's where he. Okay. He's one of Josiah's guys. Yeah. When they found the the word in the wall, he was in on all that. Okay. Hey, Steve. Yeah. I was just recently. Recently, I got. Um, 
very wise counsel, and it was very timely. Uh, you know, when we think God's moving us in a direction and think there's something there that God wants us to do, it's like God sends out a text message to people, you know, around us in authority. Huh. You know, and we do get confirmation hmm. by two or three people. Hmm. Yeah. And so when Good. he waits, it's pretty sweet. Hmm. Like people start to be like, yeah, okay, well, that's fun. <laughs> yeah. You know? And so he does yeah. confirm through his people. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah, that's, that's where I want you to go. That's what I want you to do. Yeah, well, and as pastors, you know, we same thing. I mean, I know we had a person in our life issues group that came to Pastor Brian and told what a wicked guy I was, and and uh, and I and I called Brian. I'm like all nervous, you know. He's like, he's like, don't worry about it. He said, I didn't think anything about it. I know you. He said, I wouldn't. Have, had you the pastor over life issues if if I thought there was any issues and it was just very calming and it's kind of he's like you know this this is an anomaly this one person yeah. says something bad about Steve but you know then if two or three go to him then it's a different like well maybe there is something to this accusation you know so anyway those, those are good thing and so the same thing is true about evil deeds you need two or three don't just you know. Angie heard such and such about somebody. Well, maybe. But then two or three people, okay, well, then maybe we need to talk about it. But so, and the same thing is true with good things. Is So, uh, anyway, praise the Lord. Well, let me pray, and we'll pray for these uh, this Timothy initiative. And, uh, pray for Dottie's leg. She said she's having a lot of pain in her leg. Dottie's leg, okay. Well, let's uh, pray. Heavenly Father, we bow our heads in just humility and uh, want to be like Hezekiah and uh, be a little bit uh, fearful of you, Lord, just knowing how uh, awesome and powerful you are. And so we just uh, humble ourselves before you and you say we can come before your throne of grace to find help in time of need and so we do want to lift up Dottie as she's in pain with her leg and I know she's had several things Lord and I know people have even said here in this audience that they're kind of hurting this morning or tired or so Lord uh, strengthen us in our inner man I pray you'll give Dottie the strength she needs and the comfort she needs and and Lord for these uh, believers with this uh, Timothy initiative that I just read afresh yesterday of people in Asia and East Africa. I think there was one from Nigeria. And Father, uh, you have children all over the world that are facing a dire situations uh, for their their faith. And and Lord, uh, just thank you for uh, Jeremiah's testimony that he didn't diminish a word. And so I pray that these uh, servants of yours can stand uh, bold and not deny your name and that uh, Lord you'll give them uh, whatever grace they need whether it be uh, this dying grace or just grace to avoid uh, difficulties and and Lord thank you for uh, just uh, people like uh, Micah, uh, Uriah, and even this uh, high cam that uh, kind of just the elders that add uh, 
truth to what was going on in Jeremiah's life. I pray you'll uh, support us with your truth today. Pray for Matt as he's uh, going through baptism and just uh, pray this will just be a a wonderful day and event and change in direction of his life and that he can be uh, the man of God that he needs to be and the husband of Marcy he needs to be. And So Lord, just uh, pray your blessing on this church as we uh, just uh, your word goes forth and in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. They do need our prayers. <laughs> Who the, is it the uh, Eagles today? We should win that one, I think. I don't think they're doing that good. So, I'm going to... I've been there yelling at them.